Welcome to Third Fridays, the monthly legal talk show from Lois LLC featuring attorney Christian Cisan. This is the original forum in which real attorneys discuss workers' compensation issues, share their opinions, and engage in colorful conversations. This show showcases diverse perspectives of attorneys handling workers' comp cases, including case law trend, practical litigation strategies, and hot topics. Here's your host, Christian Cisan. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the October 2023 edition of the Third Fridays podcast. My name is Christian Cisan, and today I welcome Jessica Bladenberg to the show. Uh, it's your first appearance, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Christian. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and um, we were just laughing about this uh, uh, before we uh, hit the record button, but essentially I told Jessica since it was her first appearance that uh, you'll know that we're recording when I have my game show voice. And uh, essentially it started out because I did this solo podcast episode one month. Uh, I believe it was last year. And I wanted to recap just some trends in the law. And I just thought, you know what? I I can do this one on my own, right? Um, And without having someone like opposing me or, or, or talking to me, the way it came out, I have a friend who like is a, a loyal listener. Uh, it has nothing to do with workers' compensation. He actually said to me that it sounded so much like NPR, like it was just so like like I was reporting the news to people, and I was like, ah, is that a good thing? Like, you know, so start giving the number for right. So then I was like, oh, like let me just like like uplift the energy here to to make sure that I'm not chasing away viewers. I always think that like our uh, our highest um, listened to or downloaded episodes are the ones where uh, I do have someone on. So maybe it's maybe it's me. Maybe people just like other people. So essentially, uh, welcome to the show. I do want to recap last month's episode for our listeners, just in case uh, they didn't get a chance to to view it. It was a very very enlightening conversation with uh, Addison O'Donnell and Connor Weatherington about uh, a case that is uh, you know, seven or eight years old that went up to the fourth department of New York because a silly trial judge in the Supreme Court of New York, and you know, in New York, the Supreme Court is the lowest court in the civil um, division, decided to entertain arguments as to the sufficiency of a section 32 settlement with a global consent uh, for the claimant's civil case. And uh, it actually has a nice little transition to what we're going to talk to talk about today, Jess, because we made the argument all the way up to the fourth department that uh, there was no jurisdiction that the trial judge in civil court had to approve, disapprove anything that was within the province of the workers' compensation board. Right, the, the workers' compensation law articulates that settlements are to be approved by them on an administrative level. And to move it into uh, a different forum was considered wrong Mm -hmm. because there's nothing allowing that court to do so. So uh, we talked about the case at length. It was very, very interesting. So I really do uh, recommend that uh, all you guys that haven't had a chance to listen to it, take a listen. But just like to, I guess, to transition it, like I guess that's enough of a tease, right? Uh, Your case, you just recently had a, a disallowance win on a solely jurisdictional defense like that is shocking i did it was subject matter jurisdiction case um and the case ended up being disallowed 
is a really interesting case. As you well know, we don't come across them very often. No, because if you think about it, most people know where to file their claim, right? right? So in subject matter jurisdiction, your case was a decision of New York or New Jersey. Correct. Right? So let's take us originally just to when we first received the case, when you first uh, put your eyes on it. What are you thinking as far as like chances of success? Like what's what's going through your head as you're trying to prepare your litigation arguments? Well, I mean, you know, there's a couple of things that you have to look out for first in a jurisdiction case. So the first thing I want to know is where is this employer located? Where did this contract of employment start? Where did this accident happen? And so far, we are all in New Jersey. We have a claimant who lives in New York, who has retained an attorney in New York, who has filed a claim for New York workers' compensation benefits. So we want to find out what kind of contacts, if any, this employer has with New York. I mean, we all know that, especially in the tri-state area, we do have a lot of people who live in New York, work in New Jersey, and vice versa. So it's not that unusual um, in this particular area. Exactly. People in our office. (laughs) I'm one of them, you know, crossing the bridge. So, um, you know, those are the kind of things you want to look at first. And to get into a little bit of the case specifics, we did have a claimant who resided in New York. Um, He sustained a head injury. The employer was not denying that this head injury happened. He provided timely notice of it. He was on a construction site located in New Jersey. So this employer is also based in New Jersey and in Jersey City. His employment started in New Jersey. Um, The employer does have significant contacts in New York. They do a ton of work in New York. They've done some major projects in New York. So that was his attorney's sole basis for saying that this should be a compensable claim because they brought the claimant from New York into New Jersey to work and the employer themselves has significant contacts with the state. That's that's an interesting point you bring up. I guess that the employer wasn't disputing that the accident happened. Correct. They conceded that timely notice was given. And, uh, you know, sometimes we think about workers' compensation, and I know that uh, our opposition does, certainly, and definitely some members on, uh, you know, the, the judicial bar, Look at us as 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 the, the bad guys in this in, in this world in this industry, and here we are saying, no 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 we we believe you have an injury here. right exactly, and we're not saying that you didn't tell us about it, but why are you fighting us here, right? And so, as we talk about the the testimony that the claimant gave at trial, I'm wondering. Is it possible that the claimant sought counsel from someone who pushed a New Jersey, a New York filing? Now, I, I, maybe, I, who knows? But we're here, mm-hmm. we're at a trial, and we're now preparing to say, like, hey, we're not the bad guys. Like, we just, we're not, we're not supposed to be fighting you over here, right? So you get there. Uh, what did what did the claimant testify to that led you to make your argument? Well, the interesting thing about this case is we went in there and said right off the bat, Judge, we're not disputing the fact that an accident happened. We're not disputing the fact that this particular claimant may have sustained injuries. We're not disputing the fact that he provided notice to the employer. We're disputing the fact that we should not be in this forum. You are the wrong person to be hearing this case. Very savvy uh, you know, legal position to take too, because you're you're now telling the judge, hey, w- like we actually are not the bad guys, right? And and we're not going to make your docket 
or your decision here full of 8,000 issues to decide. Correct. Right? We want to clarify the issues for you and get you to the point. And I think that's a very, very nice uh, strategic tactic, mm-hmm. right, as, as an experienced attorney. So uh, I did want to say that before you continue. So Also a little bit risky in the same boat because if oh, the judge finds point. that there is jurisdiction, we are we saying... Yeah, you don't have the defenses. <laughs> we're saying we know that injuries right. occurred. We're saying that they provided timely notice. So if we lose on this one particular issue, this is a compensable claim. Very, very good point. Very good point that uh, it was risky, but I think it was a calculated risk and a good one. So you're right that if we do lose the jurisdictional argument, you don't have anything else to refute it. But I think if you if you look at the grander scheme of this case, if you go in there and your main defense is jurisdiction, right, right and you're you're pounding sand for uh, you know contacts and subject matter and and you know the differences between New York and New Jersey and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I'm not so sure that the judge is going to give you the time of day for those other <laughs> right. compensability issues anyway. So I think it's a calculated risk. I think it was a good one. Okay, so great point. We get to the claimant's testimony. Uh, what what did the claimant say on the record that cemented uh, your position? So there were a couple of things that I wanted to bring out on the record. We I knew from speaking to our client, to our employer, that this company main location is in Jersey City, New Jersey. I know that the hiring is done out of New Jersey. I know that the payroll is run through New Jersey. Now this claimant lived in New York and he testified that he was hired through a union. So when you first hear that, you assume that it's going to be a local union, correct? Like if you live in New York, then you're gonna be a laborer or some sort of construction worker who's part of a New York union. But in speaking with our employer, I already knew because I asked where they went to find their laborers for these particular jobs and how they assigned people on their jobs, that if it's a New York job, they go to New York unions. And if it's a New Jersey job, they only deal with local unions. Interesting. So I wanted to make sure that I asked the claimant on the record whether the union through which he was hired was a New Jersey local union or a New York local union. And it was a New Jersey local union. So step one, he already knows that... He's coming to work for a New Jersey employer. Correct. After going through New Jersey process, right? It's not like I went through a New York union right. to now give me this job in New Jersey. Very, very important detail. I don't think that happens a lot, but that's a great point. The investigation work that you did with our client leading up to it gives you that foundation to really ask that question very confidently, right? When you know the answer and you have the evidence to back it up, well, if, uh, and we'll get to later about what happened to the employer witnesses, which I also think was very strategic and cool, um, you know that you can ask it with confidence and now the yes. claimant cannot refute you because he knows that you have your employer witnesses uh, who can testify otherwise. So great right. point. Okay, so union, uh, did we mention payroll? The payroll was all processed through New Jersey. Although the claimant didn't know that, I did know that from speaking with the employer that is processed through their main Uh, office in New Jersey. Okay. And so he uh, worked in New Jersey for uh, essentially an employer that did have some New York contacts, right? So they did plenty of work in New York. So do we, did we get questions from our adversary that elicited something of that sort on direct? Like did the 
the attorney who probably knows that you're going to argue a jurisdictional defense and ask those questions on cross, is he eliciting questions or she eliciting questions on direct examination of the claimant that tells the story a little bit differently? Um, he focused primarily on whether or not he was hired through the union. No mention of where this union was oh. because I think there's an insinuation that it's going to be local to where you live. And he also um, questioned the claimant whether or not this particular company did work on job sites in New York. Oh, very interesting. So he took a risk there. Sure. Because if he's going to focus the direct examination questions on the fact that it was procured through the union, mm -hmm. and then you're able to prove that the union is based in New Jersey, it's a tough summation argument for him to make after that. Now, you also asked a question about uh, travel expenses and Correct. whether or not they reimburse. Can you provide a little bit more color to that? Sure. My other concern was um, there are plenty of times where if an a New Jersey employer or any state is seeking employees from out of state, part of their compensation may be covering or reimbursing the cost of gas or the cost of tolls or the cost of mileage. So if he's traveling every day from New York into this job site in New Jersey, I want to make sure that the employer is not providing compensation that can be you know, transferred to New York to provide another significant contact for New York. So I did want to ask him whether or not um, his uh, travel expenses um, were either reimbursed or paid outright by the employer. They were not. So wow. he is footing his own bill for traveling um, from New York into New Jersey. So that cut that off at the pass. Right, that's a huge <laughs> That could be thing. part I'm, of his compensation. I'm even thinking if I'm this claimant, right, I'm taking, uh, you know, a job in New Jersey, right? Maybe maybe I'm I'm taking too far of a leap here, but if you have a New Jersey employer who's providing such a good employment environment for someone that that they're willing to come from a different state every day to work, uh, does that present a good look for the judge in your opinion when you get that testimony out there for the employer, or do you think that it's just related to the fact that his lack of reimbursement strengthens the jurisdiction defense? In my opinion, the lack of reimbursement strengthens the jurisdiction defense because if part of my argument is that payroll is processed out of New Jersey and the employment contract originated in New Jersey, that can be weakened by the fact that if you are bringing in out-of-state employees and paying them to travel into the state, then you are creating contacts with the state from where they're originating. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I knew from speaking to the employer that none of the um, costs of travel and mileage and tolls and all of that was reimbursable. So I wanted a claimant to say it on the record without my employer having to very clarify good, that. Very good. And as I'm reading, you know, I'm reading the the, the report that you authored after this trial. And, um, you know, there's a little nugget in there that maybe helps the jurisdictional fence as well, but it's more just comical to me when you talk about medical appointments uh, in New Jersey. Do you remember what he testified to? Sure. So um, the carrier had actually offered medical treatment in New Jersey, um, acknowledging again that this accident did occur and that it was timely. Uh, the employer was timely notified. They did offer and he failed to appear for all the IME appointments. And so then when I asked him, were you offered this medical treatment in New Jersey? Did you have any uh, doctor's appointments? Did you, oh, I don't recall, I don't remember this and that. I said, well, you had an appointment on this date and you had an appointment on this date. Then he says, well, I didn't attend based on the advice of counsel. Ooh, that's yes. what I wanted to say. And yes. it's just like, now, now, I, now <laughs> I feel it, right? Now I feel it that everything links to New Jersey, mm -hmm. 
And you have a New York law firm that is pushing this case to be established in New York. And their claimant admits that the advice given to him was not to seek treatment. And that's a very, very big soapbox thing for me because, you know, we're all about trying to do what's best for everybody, right? So I, I always say that the, the goal of workers' compensation is to accept the claims that are compensable and deny the claims that are not, right? right. Very basic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you look at it, if you have an employer that's willing to accept compensability just in a different forum where they operate and do business for a claimant employee that does work in that state, and then you have an actor that's involved in this industry saying, don't go to that medical right. appointment. I'm very sorry that that is just a different level of wrong for me to tell someone who's purportedly injured mm-hmm. that the employer believes deserves care. Mm-hmm. And now someone else is telling you not to go to a medical appointment. Right. That is bonkers to me. And, and I agree because supposedly this, this claimant was so severely injured that he had been out of work for, at the time of the trial, approximately 10 months. Um, and he had not received any medical treatment whatsoever. And would the situation have been different if this particular attorney's office had offices in New Jersey? Maybe. Well, maybe. Good point. But Good they do point. not. So <laughs> to me, that was very telling. And then his testimony kind of goes swimmingly. Yes, right? it, does. it does. You're not thinking to yourself, oh, I have to make sure I have to refute this mm-hmm. or I have to you know, bring up this other bit of evidence to conflict, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so you had employer witnesses ready to testify. I did. I had two. I had the um, owner of the company and the foreman on the job site available to testify. And I thought, I've done this once before and... Um, I'm glad you did it, did this here to the, to to kind of again like use some strategy. Mm-hmm. What did you do with those employer witnesses that were ready to testify? I elected to have them not testify and I told the judge I have two employer witnesses who are ready and willing to testify. However, they're not going to dispute anything that the claimant has testified to on direct and cross-examination. Yeah. So like, let's move on to submissions. Yeah, let's it's music to my ears. It's yes. almost that, you know, we're just looking above just the nuts and bolts of all the facts in this Mm -hmm. case and just saying like, what's the real thing here? What's the theory? Well, if I want to get a jurisdictional disallowance Mm -hmm. and I already have the evidence, it's not my job to prove a claim for you. You've already testified, you being the claimant, you've given me the recipe to cook up a disallowance. And so why should I produce witnesses that are just going to confirm what you said? Correct. Right? I think my case is strong enough. Calculated risk again, right? But again, I like it. Did you feel that there was any part of you that says, like, you know, maybe I should call these witnesses? I didn't, actually. I was very confident in that decision because... The claimant, if the claimant had hemmed and hawed or provided some information, obviously, that I knew was incorrect from my, my sure, preparation sure. of the witnesses, I would have loved to call them. If, But I thought that opposing counsel might have the chance to muddy the waters Good point. with um, having them testify. He may go into depth about the amount of work that they do in New York, about how they travel from New York to New Jersey on occasion to supervise job sites or to um, do new bids or anything like that. And I didn't want that to be imputed onto the claimant. 
So I wanted to keep them very separate. And the claimant had not said anything that was damaging to us. So end it <laughs> and allow the decision to be made based on that. That is, I mean, that that's, you know, this is the whole thing, another another soapbox. <laughs> it was like, you know, it's like legal advice isn't free, but it's very valuable, right? <laughs> right? When you have the experience to kind of navigate those waters and you make a decision on the spot, really like on the spot and just say, you know what, I have these witnesses, but I'm gonna take a, a like just use this decision tree to say, it's gonna be better if we mm -hmm. do it this way. That's incredible. So we get to summations. What does our adversary argue to the judge to say, like, establish this claim? Like, what what can they be saying? The entirety of um, of their summation was that this particular construction company had significant contacts with the state of New York through the jobs that they did. They pointed to the website and how the website uh, listed uh, a dozen jobs that had recently been done in the state of New York. They pointed to the fact that he was, again, hired through the union, completely ignoring that it was a local New Jersey union, um, that he traveled from New York to New Jersey in order to complete this work. And it just so happened to be on a New Jersey job site where he was injured. Uh, essentially inferring that he did have contacts with the state. This particular accident just happened to occur outside the state. Do you remember that like song from grade school where they tried to, <laughs> you know, make us memorize the states of the USA? It's like Alabama, Alaska, sure. Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado. You know, it's almost as if you're going to point to my client's website and talk about all the business that they do in state one, two, three, four, and five. Then it's, it's just saying to the judge, well, then I guess he can file a claim in any state, mm -hmm. in any state. Forget sufficient context. It's almost like it does like the, the nerd in me gets very giddy because it's, it's, it's a law school argument, right? This is civil procedure. It's not the exact same thing. But, you know, from what we do, we don't often get to make that argument. And uh, I don't know about how you felt when you're making it. But like as I was reading this case, like, I, you know, I felt very energetic. I was exhilarated at like exactly what had occurred leading up to your argument, which again, to point out for our listeners, what were the the top three points that you made in your summation to say this is not a New York case? Um, the top three points was that uh, the claimant was hired through a New Jersey union to work in the state of New Jersey, that despite living in the state of New York, he had never performed any job for this company in the state of New York, and that his compensation was solely based out of work performed in New Jersey and specifically excluded travel. Those are wow. my three main points. Yeah, and it's like that is, again, just based on the claimant's testimony. Yes. He conceded to everything that you need. That That's like a big, you know, I, I guess even if you were to make those three points and it's from coming from your employer witnesses and the claimant's refuting mm -hmm. it, not as strong, but nonetheless, factually very, very important for your position. The judge disallows the claim. He did. We rejoice. Uh, and um, you may not remember it since, uh, you know, this trial didn't happen yesterday, but since I was looking through the notes, uh, I also was very pleased at the response from the client after yes. you provided the report. <laughs> they were very happy, yes. Just, it, you know, saying like it made their day. And, you know, we don't win every case, right? right? We don't win many cases. And these are the cases that you want to go to trial and win because you know it should be won. And that doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. You go to cases and you try cases that you know should be a win mm -hmm. in your heart based on your knowledge of the law. And like 
the cards don't fall the right way. And so this is one to savor, uh, you know, maybe not just for this client, but for really all of employers across the state of New York that do business in other states. So do you have any takeaways for those employers? Like what should they be thinking about? How can they use this case to, you know, articulate defenses in the future? What what would you suggest? Um, based on this case, my, my primary advice would be just because an accident happened, you acknowledge that an accident occurred, does not necessarily mean it's compensable where it's being filed. Do a little bit digger, uh, deeper digging and find out whether or not it's being filed in the right place. You can provide benefits to a claimant. You just have to make sure you're in the correct forum. Um, so, you know, there's always investigation to be done. I think that just because an employer acknowledges that an accident occurred does not make it automatically compensable. And there are ways to significantly reduce your exposure in out of the box. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what I was thinking as well. That you know, since you don't get this case so often, yeah. right? And you know, the joke I make every episode, it's like, hey, we're talking about a case we won. Like, right? we're not <laughs> not talking about a case we lost. <laughs> we right? don't discuss those too much. So uh, the important thing is is that you're not in a worse position for investigating exactly. everything, right? And that is what we do here. It's like a full service approach to say, you know what? Like, it does make sense that you want to accept a compensable claim. Again, the basics of the industry, accept a claim that's compensable, deny a claim that's not. And you want to provide medical care mm -hmm. for one of your own. Right. And if an actor, an outside actor wants to push that and make you have more expenses in a different forum, ones that you weren't projecting, not part of your insurance policy, you need the right investigation strategy and you need the right attorneys to help litigate that claim. So I think all the steps that you took uh, in this case were amazing, excellent, and I think it's just really going to set the tone for companies that do businesses in other states. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. We should also that. say, uh, you know, uh, kind words and shout out to your paralegal, Michaela Cavanaugh. Absolutely. Uh, we are a team here. Everything is done from a split of the work, right? So, uh, you know, we don't we don't uh, do a type of you know we share that we take the glory and don't share it with with our teammates. So, Michaela, if you're listening to this, thank you as well for uh, your work in this claim. Uh, so, for Jessica Blydenberg, my name is Christian Cison, and I'm reminding you to defend from day one.